Welcome to episode 110 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Anthony, Mark, Maria, Mary, Jill, and Jessica. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Anthony, Mark, Maria, Mary, Jill, and Jessica, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. And I tell you, that will teach me to wait two weeks between episodes. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Today we're going to talk about concept three, which says, The right of decision makes effective leadership possible. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Akila. How are you today, Akila? Okay, good, Spencer. How are you doing? I am doing pretty well. It's, uh, I decided to uh, take a break this weekend from work, and I'll talk a little bit about, uh, more about that in the, uh, the second half of the show. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at the Recovery Show may be in the 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than a program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of Concept 3. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of this topic, Concept 3. Following a short break, we'll talk about our lives in recovery, about how we practice these principles in all our affairs. We'll follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing. And uh, I think we have a reading. Can you, uh, you want to read that? Sure. This is from page 263 in Path to Recovery on Concept 3, which is the right of decision makes effective leadership possible. In our service structure, the right of decision belongs to the trusted servants at every level of leadership. From the individual groups, districts, Al-Anon information services, intergroups, literature distribution centers, and area assemblies to the World Service Conference trustees and WSO. Without the freedom to decide when and how to proceed, nothing could be done. Everything, no matter how great or trivial it might be, would have to be referred to the groups. Our trustees, employees, and delegates would not be trusted servants, but merely messengers, continually soliciting the input of thousands of groups. For all levels of Al-Anon service, from the group to the conference, the authority and ability to make decisions for the good of Al-Anon as a whole is found in Concept 3. Decision-making authority is important for our leaders to be able to service effectively. At each level of service, we remember that Tradition 2 refers to trusted servants who do not govern. We trust our group leaders to decide how to handle group affairs and when to bring an issue to the whole group for its consideration. We trust our conference to decide which matters to dispose of and which to refer to the groups. We trust our trustees to know how to direct our World Service Office, WSO, and when to consult with the conference. We trust our staff members at the WSO to do their jobs and to know when to ask for guidance. This leadership empowerment makes an efficient business, Al-Anon Family Group Headquarters, Inc., possible within our unique structure. Okay, well, that that um, kind of lays it out pretty clearly, I think. But, um, you know, I was confused when I first came on this concept about what what this phrase, right of decision, meant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, somebody has the rights to make decisions, I guess. I don't know exactly what that means. And I think I actually sort of had it backwards. Um, and so... Uh, you know, that, that paragraph, uh, basically says that, uh, to me, it says, that, so the right of decision is once we choose somebody, um, as our representative or in a position of leadership, 
that then they have the right to make decisions that uh, are appropriate for that that position that they've been chosen for. Mm-hmm. Um, does that is that your understanding? Yeah, and also just if you give for the program, right? So if you have a representative, that means you trust them to make the right decision. And also it just means if you give someone a responsibility, then you're trusting that they will complete the responsibility. And that they'll make the decisions that they need to make um, right. to carry out the, the job that you've given them to do. I guess that's sort of... Yeah. Uh, and it's it's it it's that weird uh, trusted servant leader thing that I guess sort of makes it confusing. Um, I guess, you know, within a, say, a work context, I could delegate uh, a task to somebody mm-hmm. and and understand that they would need to be able to make decisions in order to carry that task out and that um, I would expect them to make those decisions uh, within the context of, of doing that, that task. And But then... When I say to somebody, "Well, you're going to be our leader," and um, but you're a trusted servant, what does that mean? You know, so that I, I think this kind of helps to clarify it. And I thought it might be helpful. Um, it was certainly helpful for me to think of some examples from my own experience. And and so within the within the Elanon program, um, one thing that kind of jumped out at me as being an example of the right of decision uh, making leadership possible is. In my home group, we elect a person to to chair. We call it chair, whatever that means, to chair the meeting for two months at a time. And that person has the responsibility to um, select the person, the people who, the person for each week who will be doing the lead, because that meeting uh, is in a lead discussion format. Mm-hmm. We don't second guess their choices. We right. Don't, we don't say. Uh, when when they say and and today uh, Spencer will be doing the lead, you know, we don't get a whole bunch of people jumping up and saying, "No, wait, I disagree with that decision. Spencer can't do the lead." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think right. about it, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And then ours, right? And then ours is um, in my home group. You sign up to ch- to chair them. It's called chair chair the meeting that day. So if you sign up, then you're the one, you choose the topic, right? So we, yeah. nobody says, I don't like that topic or mm, you should have consulted with us before you chose the topic. This is the topic because we gave you the choice to decide. So you have the right of decision-making in that case. Yeah. I mean, and then also thinking, I mean, the example given in the book too, and thinking about how we send our delegates to assembly and all that stuff. Um, or we have a GR that represents the group on the district level, that represents the district on the um, regional level, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And we trust that they will make the decision once we give them the responsibility. They decide how it's going to work. I mean, we talked about that with concept two as well. So, you know, it all kind of yep. goes together. Yep. And and I think about it maybe within my family Let's say, let's say we're gonna we're we're driving somewhere, mm-hmm. and one one of us is driving, and we give um, that person the right of sort of making the decision about what route to take, uh, maybe uh, when they want to stop to get gas and and so on. Um, you know, subject to hey, I need to stop to go to the bathroom, but uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, you know, it's it, and and this is oh man, wow! Thinking about driving and thinking about you know sort of backseat driving. I mean, think about that mm-hmm. concept, right? Backseat driving is I gave you the responsibility to drive, but I'm not giving you the right to make all the decisions, right? Or you are responsible for driving. Yes. And I've decided that the, you're not doing it the way I want you to. Yes. Um, and uh, just, <laughs> yeah, what the reputation that has, right? Backseat driving. I mean, that that just mm-hmm. shows up in all kinds of, as a metaphor, in all kinds of areas of our life. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so we've kind of crossed over a little bit about how we use this, how we might use this in our own lives. And I guess that was a, a an example of where we don't use it. Um, mm-hmm. And and you, uh, I think you pulled this quote out of Pastor Recovery. It says, "In our own lives, the right of decision means that we have the right to proceed in the best way we know, and to ask for help when it is needed." Yeah. So, because basically, I mean, I think about this, thinking about in our own lives, of course, and again, it does go back to authority and responsibility, which is concept two, but also thinking about how. Um, so, for example, if the right of decision, so if I tell my daughter, it's always going to be my daughter for my example, yeah. um, <laughs> just just for you, just so you know. But like uh, one of the things she's coming, she's getting ready to start going to college, right? Yeah. Looking into colleges and things like that. So she has to decide for herself what would be the best fit for her. So. She has her criteria. She knows what she wants. But if I come in behind her and I say, no, 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 your choices are all wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Then she's not making effect. She's not getting a chance to make the decisions to lead her own life. Whereas if I say, okay, we work together to work on the criteria you're looking at and you're saying, these are the things I, I want. And then you say, she says, I don't really understand this part of the process or I need help. Can you help me? And yeah. I think it goes back to, I mean, this is one of our basic tenets, right? We have to give people the, dig- the dignity to make their own choices. And so even if she, I'm thinking, I don't think this is the right college. And she's like, this is the one I want. And I'm thinking this is not the right college. I don't say you're wrong. This is the wrong college for you. If she hasn't asked for my input and if she has, I can express my concerns, but I still let her make that choice because she has to learn for herself. And that's what makes her an effective leader in her own life, the ability to learn from her own mistakes or in my own life to mm-hmm. not tell her story. That was just an example I thought of. But yep. No, that's a really good example. I was thinking about, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about, well, when my kids were making that decision and, um, you know, my daughter uh, came down to a choice between two schools, one of which was the one in the town we grew up in. And, you know, she has a lot of, she had friends at the, at the university already and she had friends in town and she, she likes this town. And, you know, so there were a lot of factors that sort of made her want to go to the local school and the other choice. And that's a, it's a big public university. Um, the other choice was a smaller private university uh, that, uh, I felt uh, was a better fit for her uh, academically in in that um, she's more of a she was she at that point she wasn't really sure what she wanted to do um, and this school really kind <laughs> of encouraged like you to explore and understand you know 
In fact, they said yes. we, 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 won't, we won't let you choose a major until the end of your freshman year because we want you to uh, spend that time deciding whether what you think you want to do is really what you want to do now that you see what it's like at, at the college level. And maybe you'll find something yeah. that really is much more interesting to you. So financially, they were both going to be about the same cost for us and for her. Okay. Uh, and, and so it really came down to which one did she want to go to? And and she said, I don't know. I don't know how to make this decision, uh, which is also sort of a pattern in her life. But that's taken her inventory. Um, <laughs> uh, she said, I don't know how to make this decision. And yeah. so I, I said, well, let's go visit the other school again. Mm-hmm. She could go visit, stay with somebody in the dormitory overnight and go to some classes and, and just sort of see what it would be like being there. Uh, and so she did that, and she made the decision to go to the the, the out of state school. And I think, um, looking back, I think she really understands that that was the right decision for her for her life. Right, but she had to make the decision on her own. She had to make that decision, and I had to give her the right to make that decision right. because it was her. It was about her life. It, you know, if there had been a huge difference in how much money it was going to cost us, for example, then I probably would have weighed in a little more heavily. Right, uh, <laughs> because then it would, because then it would have been, it would have stopped being an outside issue. Yeah, <laughs> started being an. Exactly. Well, I'm also, I'm also thinking too of. Um, Okay, so I teach, which I think. So I teach at, um, I used to teach at a university and now I teach at the college, the community college mm-hmm. in our town. And, and when I was working at the university, I was working for the business school. And so the way it worked is I was a lecturer. So, which is kind of like a TA. Yeah. So there was a professor in charge of the class who set all the assignments who um, came up with everything. And so then I led the individual discussion sections oh, okay. uh-huh. and graded all their papers and right, all of that right. stuff, yeah. which, um, which was fine. And so, but again, so, but I was in charge of my little, my sections. And so I had to make decisions about how my class went, how I presented the lesson plans, how we practice everything. Uh-huh. So that made me a good leader. But what I learned was that it wasn't a good fit for me because I wanted total control. <laughs> right? right. And so I wanted yeah. the the right to be able to decide what my classes would be and what our assignments would be. Um, because I, I felt more like involved in the process yeah. by having to be able to do that. And so it made me more, it makes, I'm more invested in any class where I'm designing what's going on sure. as opposed to I'm doing your plan and I can't make changes to these big things, which I'm responsible for. So it was, um, it's interesting to think about because it was very, it was uh, very good for me on that one level where I was in the classroom but on a broader scale, in terms of the kind of responsibility I wanted, it wasn't because mm-hmm. I didn't have the right to make um, decisions that mm-hmm. I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I could totally get that. Um, so you mentioned um, you mentioned a little bit ago. Well, no, you mentioned um, the second concept, which we talked about back in January, uh, which I had to remind myself. It says, the Al-Anon family groups have delegated 
complete administrative and operational authority to their conference and its service arms. And so, to some extent, this uh, right of decision and leadership uh, kind of expands on that about mm-hmm. more about what the authority is. Um, part of that authority is the authority to make uh, decisions. Right. And uh, But I also see, and I think in the reading you did, there's a connection to the second tradition, not concept, but yeah. tradition, which says, for our group purpose, there is but one authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. And then it says our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. And that connects. Um, and I also, uh, in some of the readings I was doing uh, before this, I, I saw a connection with step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And Yeah, I saw that too. I wonder, maybe you could uh, say a little bit about your understanding of how those things connect. So one of the um, one of the readings too, it says concept three shows us how to be both willing employees and effective employers. Is this not letting go and letting God? Is this not trust? And that's one path to recovery. And so when we think about step three, um, made a decision right to yeah. turn our will and our lives. Yeah over to the care of God, that means if we trust our servants to do God's will, then we trust that the decisions they're making should be in the best interest of the group. This is, I'm thinking, for the group purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, the group conscience, and then being a trusted servant and not governing. So again, they're not making, they're making effective decisions based on what they think is best for the group. But again, I still have autonomy as a person or our group still has autonomy to decide what is best for the group as we move forward. Mm-hmm. So it, it also does a little bit with, um, hold on. And this is in pastor recovery too. When it talks about that le- keeps it from being very rigid and gives us the, um, so it says, when we grant our trusted servants the right of decision, we put our faith and a power greater in ourselves and trust in the integrity of others. And so that means that we're trusting that these people will do the job that we've given them to do. And then if they need help, then they'll ask for it or know where to get help. And I think that's another thing that happens when we give people the right of decision making or the dignity to make their own choices, which we have talked about before, mm-hmm. especially with our kids and the whole getting out of bed thing. Yeah. <laughs> where, right? The whole thing where it's like, fine, I'll let you do it your way. And then they eventually are like, oh God, this isn't working. I need you to help me figure out a better way. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, if we just try to control it, they never figure out that they need help. Right? That was sort of our discussion. That's how we came to it. And that happened with, um, with my daughter again, where she, she did the same thing and she was like, I can do it. And I just, it didn't work. And I just said to her, you know, I'm back in charge of this because you do not make effective decisions, but she also recognized that she needed help. So it wasn't, um, but she had to understand it for herself. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's that whole thing. I have to trust. And then if it's not working, I get to ask for help. And that takes us to all of our, to the concept, tradition two, and step three, I think. Yeah. How about you? Well, I, yeah, I was thinking about it from a more personal perspective. Uh, so that's, okay. you know, we get a nice uh, uh, duality here, you know, um, in, okay. the, uh, in the discussion. that uh, Because when I look at 
at step three and the way that, that I understand step three for myself, uh, made a decision to turn my life and my will over the care of God is that, you know, and, and, and this goes with step 11, like praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Um, that I can ask my higher power for guidance. I can ask my higher power for, Hey, what do you think I should do here? Um, uh, but I still, in, in a, in a real sense, I still have the right of decision as to whether to follow what I perceive as the will of my higher power. And the program suggests that it's, things will work out better for me if I do. And that sort of tends to be my experience too. Um, (laughs) You know, the times when I, I kind of go against that voice, the times when I go against, uh, the the things that I've learned here, uh, because um, you know my higher power has spoken to me a lot through other people in the program sharing their their own experience about how uh, you know using these principles works for them and and so on and and mm-hmm. I hear that and I take it in and say yeah that that sounds really good and then I go do something completely different it usually doesn't work out so well uh, <laughs> and uh, but I've I've kept that right of decision but I can always come back and say okay sorry you know what that that didn't work so well um you you got a better suggestion maybe I'll listen this time um and uh I was reading um reading online and I'll I'll try to remember to put a link to this in um in the the notes for this uh, episode on the website there's a was this I found a study guide from uh, apparently Connected to or related to the AA 12, 12, and 12, uh, which has got the AA concepts of service. Um, okay. And there was a lot of discussion in there about um, f- the right right of decision being uh, the right to make the decision to pray. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, and this person talked from their own personal experience about, you know, the night that they they prayed for help and relieving um, their their drunkenness, and they got it. And that they had, at that point, exercised their right of decision to, to ask for help. And That makes sense, though, because if we think about how, um, I'm thinking about how we say, like, well, you know, your higher power is your higher power, right? Yeah. So however people come to it is their own way. So if it's like, I have the right to pray, then it's also had the right to connect with this higher power in a way that it works for me. Yeah. yeah. Which is again, the right decision. Nobody's going to tell you, you have to do it any one way. I mean, mm-hmm. there are no must, right? Except that you work the steps, yeah. but how you come to, how you come to believe in all that stuff, that is a right of decision. Yep. Yep. And, and God's not going to make me pray. Right. I have, right. To choose, I have to choose to do that. I have to choose to use this program. I have to choose to go to meetings. Uh, it's, it's, it, nobody's going to make me do that. I mean, you know, there are these cases where people maybe are court ordered or whatever, but, uh, or, uh, maybe in terms of Al-Anon, I, I know a number of people who saw, at least started coming to Al-Anon because, uh, their loved one was in treatment and the treatment center will said, if you want to be involved in their treatment, then you need to go to Al-Anon. Um, one of our local treatment centers does that. I know Okay. Uh, they say, look, you know, you're part of the problem here and you need to go to Al-Anon and get help, basically is what they're saying. Uh, right. <laughs> and, 
and, but again, and they give people the choice. To go yeah. or not. Yeah. They give people the choice. They say, if you want to be involved in your loved one's treatment, right. uh, then we ask you to go to Al-Anon. If you choose not to go to Al-Anon, then sorry, you can't, you can't be involved here. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's a pretty hard-ass uh, uh, point of view, but uh, I, I can see their perspective because I know from my own personal experience, I mean, I'm getting a little bit off the concept here, but from my own personal experience, I can make the problem a whole lot worse. Right. Um, if I'm and not- that is the right of decision <laughs> yeah. that affects leadership. Yeah. If you're thinking about what the, I mean, and we're thinking again, what's the primary purpose here? If it's the primary purpose to get help or to... Um, to get better and then you're interfering with that primary purpose. So now we're into tradition 10, which says that we have no opinion on outside issues. But if you're out, if your issue is causing a problem inside, it's not an outside issue anymore. Yep. Yep. That's true. That is true. I want to, um, yeah, just back up for a second too, because as you were talking, it was reminding me also, and I mentioned it, but this idea of let go and let God. Yeah. And that a lot of it too is saying to me, letting, I have to let go of outcomes, which is how I, I tend to think about it. Let go of outcomes. I have done my part. I have made my decision. I have given you the right to make your decision. And so then I have to let go of what's going to happen because so often, mm-hmm. like when it talks about in a book, instead of, um, in that it says our, Employees, delegates would not be trusted servants, but merely messengers continually soliciting the input. That idea that I can't make a move unless I have to micromanage everything or I have to know exactly what's going to happen. If I don't know how I have to keep changing my mind, I can't make a decision because I have to, you know, like that's what it also reminds me of too. Yeah. The right of, the right of decision is, is the opposite of, of micromanagement. Right. And, and having been on the receiving end and to some extent also on the giving end of, of that particular character defect, um, I, I, I totally understand what they're, what they're saying there. Um, and uh, I, I, want, I want to read this again from uh, page 265 in Paths to Recovery. You read this, but I had also highlighted these three, these three okay. questions. Is this not letting go and letting God? Is this not trust? Is this not effective leadership? And, you know, I saw those. I was like, absolutely. It, mm. it, it is. It, it very much is about trust. Uh, and if it's not about trust in a person, and I think it, particularly in the context of the program, you know, if I give authority, if, I, if we choose somebody as our group representative, they're going to go to the district meeting and they're going to, help make decisions at the district meeting based on their best understanding and, and, and input from their higher power. Uh, if I can't trust them to do, if I can't trust them, maybe I can trust God mm. to lead them to good decisions. Um, even if I don't necessarily yeah. trust their own, their own ability. Um, as an as as a person, you know, and 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 at work, they talk about being an effective employer and employee, right? And mm-hmm. I have so many times given a task to somebody else to do, and then at least figuratively stood there while they did it to make sure they did it right. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I learned that from my father. I think he did that. Um, and and if I didn't do it right, I would sure hear about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because I'm looking at too. So in Pastor Recovery, this one, page 266, it says, I grew up in an alcoholic home with many strict rules. The rules in that flex were always understood and were enforced with quick and short consequences. Um, mother was the ultimate authority. There was there were no allowances for discussion or appeal, though. And then it says this concept has helped me to understand my own attitudes and where I got them. Though instructions and directions at home told me to think for myself, I was not allowed to do so. Ooh. And then it also, yeah. And then. Um, you know, my parents are always telling me, this is from Hope to Today, Hope for Today, August 21st. Mm-hmm. And my family, my parents were always telling me what to do. My response was usually angry compliance or rebellious refusal. Either way, I was reacting, not acting and feeling controlled. So this idea of um, one of the questions is, can I make a decision and be comfortable with it? If not, why not? And if we are constantly feeling like every decision we make is being questioned or we can't do it unless it's the way someone else that wants us to do it. Or conversely, if we tell somebody they have the right to decision and then we tell constantly are undermining them by saying, no, you have to you can't do it that way. You have to do it my way. Absolutely. then we have to, oh, there was another quote I was going to read, but I lost it. But it's that same thing. Like, I don't have a right decision, so therefore I don't know how to make decisions. Yep. And uh, and I have felt that uh, need for need for approval of decisions, even when, even when, and th- again, it, it mostly at work, uh, sometimes at home, you know, I don't know if you've ever gotten maybe paralyzed trying to make an airplane reservation or something like that. Is this the right day? Is this the right time? Is this going to work out for the other people? Is it going to be okay? Uh, maybe I should call and make sure that this is okay. Mm-hmm. Even though I was told I should make the reservations, you know, <laughs> like, ah, uh, but we, if we have to leave at eight in the morning, is that going to be okay? I don't know. Um, right. And, and I can just get paralyzed there. And if I understand that I, I have been delegated that responsibility and, and the authority to make those decisions that that can be really helpful. Um, and and Ooh, I found it. You found it. All right. Yeah. Similarly, if this is on page 264 and pass to recovery. Similarly, in our personal lives, it will be restricted to have to operate our families and work situations by a book of detailed instructions. Mm. Where will be the room for changing our minds or allowing for new information that becomes available? Where will be the possibility of creativity and changing circumstances? Um, and I read the other part. And then... Um, we learned to de- at the conference or area meeting, at the committee meeting at work, or in planning a family holiday. We learn to develop guidelines, offer our best ideas for consideration, and trust each other to do the best we can. With dignity and confidence, we are more likely to rise to occasion, be willing to lead, and together create workable solutions for whatever tasks at hand. That is, that's of course, if we have the right of decision. Yeah, or if we um, give other people the right decision. Or we decision, give other people yeah. the right of decision. And even thinking about what you were saying, that paralyzing and second guessing, if it's just, yeah, it just becomes, I mean, I know when I came in the program, one of the things that I, I had a struggle with because, you know, and we have, in Al-Anon, we learned that we have choices. That was one of the very first things I learned. And there are no must in Al-Anon. But at the same time, I would be doing stuff and I'm like, 
people what's the right way. Yeah. Like there has to be a right, there has to be a right way to do it. And that's, and then my other program, that's, I'm like, no, 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 no. There must be one way that is the right way. And am I doing it right? And if I'm not doing it right, then surely there must be a better way. And I also would get, I tend to, I tend before I would tend to get really caught up in, um, whatever the trend I was thinking about this because, um, and this is not a judgment on anybody, but like I was making my own detergent and I was doing this stuff because it was like, no, 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 you're supposed to be doing that because that's how you show you care. And that's if you do it the right way, the healthy way, the loving way. And then now, of course, I'm much less rigid with myself, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's that kind of thing where it's like, but no, what if my decision is wrong? So I picked that up somewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, yeah. So I, I, the second part of that question said, if not, why not? I'm like, I don't know why not. Um, that's just <laughs> the way I am. Uh, <laughs> that's the way I learned it as a child was, was were my decisions continually um, uh, devalued by my parents, by the other people in my family or, or, or what, you know, I, where did mm-hmm. that come from? Does it matter? Uh, and actually, uh, to me, the does it matter question, you know, if I just recognize this and then ask ask my higher power for help to change, does it really matter where it came from in that case? Hmm. And uh, and I'm reminded of the, the flat tire story that I think, I think Kelly told it in an early episode about, uh, you know, you, you're driving down the road and you get a flat tire and you pull off and your first instinct is to walk back up the road and see what the heck made your, you know, tire go flat. Mm-hmm. Maybe look at the tires there, a nail in it or whatever. And, and she said, you know, at that point, it's not really important what made the tire go flat. The, the important thing at that moment is to like put the spare tire on uh, and keep on driving <laughs> to get mm-hmm. where you need to go. Um, and, Maybe later, if you if you, I mean, if you keep getting flat tires, maybe you should look around, right? Because yeah, uh, you know, maybe maybe you had a roof put on recently and your driveway is full of nails. That happened to me. Okay. <laughs> or yeah, you have a slow or you have a slow leak. Yeah. Well, the nail stuck in the tire, and, yeah. and you need to find it. And and uh, you know, well, what I do is I take it to Bell Tire and or wherever, and and they take the tire off and find the leak like and it. patch it and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and that's the action. And, and then they say, Hey, you had a nail in it. And I'm, and I'm like, Oh, maybe I should go look and see if there's more nails in my driveway from that, that roofing job we had done la- last summer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cause yeah, it was a roofing nail. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and in that case there's something to do, but if I'm just driving down some road and I run yeah. over something, I mean, there's no point in me like, Saying, "Oh wow, this road must have a lot of nails. I won't drive down this road again." I mean, that's anyway off topic. <laughs> well, okay, but if not, why not? Thinking about yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> um, I also will harken back. There's also that fear of telling people no, that people yes. pleasing that comes in. Because yes. I'm thinking of how overextended I would be because somebody would ask me to do something, and I would be like, "Sure, okay," and then I'd be like when it was time to do the thing, like, I can't do that. Why would I say I would do that? Mm-hmm. And so um, here too, learning and program how to delay decision-making <laughs> yeah. to say things like, let me get back with you. I have to think about it. Yeah. I'll let you know tomorrow. 
where I can give myself the space and the time to make effective decisions. And I think that's also and, um, and you're connected right. to it. You're right. That's very important. And I think about um, the time that I can take that I, that I, and I, I don't remember if I talked about this last time. I don't think so. I, no, I've talked about it in a meeting um, where I had an incident at work where uh, somebody called me on, on something I did and I had to, uh, you know, I had to take the time. I had to stop and say, okay, now wait a minute. What was going on with me mm-hmm. that I did that? Um, you know, that's important because if I just look at the behavior, um, then maybe I don't, I don't have a clue what it is I'm actually trying to change except this behavior. Uh, but if I can look at it and say, oh, well, I was, you know, fearful or I was tired or, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was uh, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. I think I wasn't hungry, but I was angry, lonely, and tired. So, uh, and then if I can recognize that, you know, that symptom in myself before it comes out, um, then that really can help me to go forward. So, I mean, I'm not saying the why question is never important because the, the why question very much can be, but it's more uh, the question I think I would say for me is more things like what was my motivation? How was I feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, was I hungry? Was I angry? Was I lonely? Was I tired? Was I frustrated? Was I resentful? Um, mm-hmm. And and were these causative factors in in my behavior? Then that's 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 the important. Those are important questions for me right. to ask for sure. Yeah, motivation is so key because did I say yes because I didn't want somebody to be mad at me? Yeah. Did I did I just say yes to get the person to leave me alone, which was usually <laughs> the case? Or my or no? Yeah. <laughs> when my daughter would ask me stuff, and I was just be like, no. And then I would think about it and be like. Oh, yeah, sure. It's fine. So then, of course, it's like, I never know what my mom's going to say about anything. Or I can't trust her yes to be yes or her no to be no. And so now I I will. No matter what she asks me almost, I just say, let me think about it. I have to get back to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then I'm not responding. Because she may or, you know, I may be really happy with her at that moment <laughs> or really angry with her at that moment. And then when I get the space, I'm like, oh, wait, no, she can't do that because she has these other things. Or I might say, yes, there's absolutely no reason why she shouldn't do that. So, you know, like I said, it helps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I like this next question. Uh, do I ever ask someone to do a task and then try to direct the details of how it should be done? And then again, if so, how can I change this pattern? Um, because, you know, that is that is definitely something that I have done a lot in my mm-hmm. in, in more in the past than in the present and uh so i guess uh, how can i change this pattern i think for me uh, a big part of changing that pattern was in the basic work of the alanon program the basic work of discovering boundaries and learning learning that boundaries exist first and then mm-hmm. learning how to set boundaries and learning how to set boundaries on myself, uh, learning uh, how to find the the boundary between me and the rest of the world, and in learning uh, how to let go. Uh, you know that was that was the big thing that I had to learn when I came into this program was to let go of, you know, in in particular trying to control my wife's drinking, but in more general, like going letting go of my illusion of control over a lot of other things in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so learning to let go, learning to learning to understand that my way is not always the only way. Uh, 
Um, learning to understand that, um, you know, a task doesn't have to be done perfectly. It only has to be done well enough uh, to satisfy whatever conditions we might uh, need it to meet. Um, mm-hmm. And if there are minor flaws or if there are things that, that somebody does that, like I said, aren't the way I would have done it, uh, maybe they used a different size nail or maybe they, uh, maybe they you know, made some grain lines run vertically instead of horizontally or whatever it is. I'm trying to just oh my pull gosh. an example out of the air it's here. It's terrible. Okay, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. It's really, oh, no, you need to tear it all down and run it the other way. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, Spencer. You might need to when I get <laughs> Well, depending. I mean, if it's structural, yeah. okay. But if it's just, you know, um, if, if, if my wife wants to paint the, paint the, you know, the wall one color and I want to paint it a different color, um, you know, and I gave her the right to choose the color, then I can't come back yeah. and say, no, you have to repaint it. It's the wrong shade of gray. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, absolutely. not that it's like bright red ver- instead of blue or something. You know, it's just the wrong shade of gray. And, and actually, she's a lot pickier about that than I am. And I am so grateful to be able to let go of that decision and let her make that decision. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, That's learning. a great example, though. <laughs> like, pick the shade of gray. Wait, no, not that shade. Yeah. No, not that shade. You know, like what? Mm-hmm. Do you want me to pick it or not? I'm also reminded too, um, how do I change when you were talking about letting go and all that? For me, that's just, that's in the serenity prayer. That was one of the first things mm-hmm. that really helped me. I can't control this. <laughs> I can't control this. Help me. Yeah. Grant me the serenity to accept this. <laughs> Grant me the serenity to accept that I can't control the way my parents were when I was a child. I mean, yeah, you know, oh, there's yeah. some there's some really big things in there that that somehow, um, you know, we feel that we should we should be able to change that. And oh my mm-hmm. god, oh my god, um, I found this interesting reading from this AA twelve twelve and twelve study guide um, that. Uh, has this statement and it and it says in this in yeah in the study guide it says uh concept three and then it has this quote under it and at first i thought that was the concept three but then i read further down and and i don't think that's exactly it or you know sometimes they, they have the short form and the long form so i don't know anyway yeah they do that sometimes um, so but this statement um says we serve by acting on our conscience through our right of decision and we trust others when they exercise their right of decision. And I liked the sort of the duality of that statement. It mm-hmm. says, when we're serving, we use our right of decision by acting on our conscience. And, mm-hmm. and that addition by acting on our conscience kind of, I mean, I guess that's sort of um, the same thing as, as um, our, our understanding of our higher power as well is maybe the same as our conscience. I don't know. but um, But then they had some questions coming out of that. And, and the first one is, am I acting in any area of my life that is contrary to my own conscience? And I know that there definitely have been times in the past when, when I was doing things that didn't feel right to me, but I was doing them for whatever reason. I don't know. Cause I thought I had to, in order to control some situation or, mm-hmm. or because somebody told me to, and I couldn't say no, or um, I'm not sure exactly. Um, and I, th- I feel like, I do that a lot less often now because, um, you know, again, I've learned how to set some boundaries. I've learned how to, to to set some boundaries on myself and say, these are things that I won't do. If I don't feel comfortable doing something, I 
I can, I know that I can say no. Uh, and, and that was not always the case for me. Mm-hmm. Have you uh, had, had experiences like that? Yeah, I was just dealing with something like that. Um, and I think we've kind of talked about this before. I think with step three, with turning my will and life over, and which again, already matches up with the concept. Yeah. Um, and even praying for God's, the knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry it out. And I'm thinking of how often I would have these moments, these God moments or higher power moments where an answer was really clear. And yet somehow I would, Oh no, I just had, okay, here's a good one. I did. This just happened because we're having our church retreat. And I, so this is my people pleasing, not wanting to make people mad. This is usually where it stems from, for me, mm-hmm. it's either that or my black or white, all or nothing thinking, which I'll get to in a minute. <laughs> but, um, so the church retreat and I was helping with registration. And so I had to fill out the form and she, the woman was like, are you going to, and I'm like, Oh, I didn't get my assignment. And she's like, are you paying today? And I was like, um, yeah, except I wasn't planning to pay that day. I was planning to pay the next week when I actually was closer to payday. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I said, yeah, yeah, totally. I'm totally going to pay. And so as soon as I said that, and then everything just felt, it just all went awry from there Mm. because then I was late because I had to try to make this payment. So I was rushing and um, the thing wouldn't swipe. So I got all these clues, like just let it go, but it wouldn't swipe. But I had told her I was paying, so I had to pay. And we stood there for like five minutes trying to get the credit card to get through. Then I was late picking up my daughter because I want, I just had to make sure I paid because I said I was going to pay, even though I didn't think I should pay. Then I got home and checked my credit card statement, my credit card thing. And I didn't even have enough on my card to cover it. And I was like, I knew I shouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't time. And yet I still did it because I didn't want her to be mad at me or like, she didn't care, but somewhere that's where it came from. Like that's where it came from. It was, but that's what it was. And I knew, I knew it was a mistake and I did anyway. So then I had to go, I had to fake reek and I said, okay, I screwed up. You know, I just had to own it. Mm-hmm. And then I, so then I was like, this is when, so I should have been praying. So I should have prayed for God's knowledge yeah. of his will. I mean, pray for that knowledge of his will for me. And so I had to stop and just say, what am I going to do now? Because I can't go back in time. So then I had to fix it from where I was and which is fine. Like that happens sometimes. And then the other thing that happened, like I said, my black or white, all or nothing thinking I have, um, I had this friend, I have, you know, some online, um, some online services that I use and I decided to stop using this one service. And so I just deleted my service and I had a friend and she's like, listen, you just deleted this. And that's, you said you were going and I was like, listen, I'm not using it anymore. So you just need to email me and we'll figure it out. And then I had this idea and I was like, or, you know, cause it's like a blog thing. I'm like, Oh, well I can still follow her blog. And I said, no, 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 no. I can't follow her blog because I I'm just leaving. I'm not using the service anymore. You know, that was, <laughs> and then they came back to me again last night and I was like, yeah, that was a really good idea. And so that came to me. That was that voice that came to me, but that I pushed away because I had decided it was either all or nothing. There could be no in between. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I have to remember that I have choices 
It doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be black or white. I can make a decision that benefits, that's mutually beneficial instead of just dumb. I don't know, but that's just kind of (laughs) where. So that was in like the past two or three weeks. Wow. So it's, you know, it it just, it goes on. It does go on. It does go on. Um, I wonder if you have any final thoughts, maybe. Um, Mm, No, I just think it all comes. Yeah, it's just all letting go. Let go of outcomes. Let go of let God. Let people have the dignity to make their own choices. That's all it boils down to for me. Yeah, and I think I just want to circle to to trust. That I I really see that uh, this concept... Um, and its connection to tradition two and to uh, to step three is about trust. It's about trust in um, other people when we give them a task to do. Trust that they will they will do that task, um, and ultimately trust in in our higher powers, whether it's my higher power or that other person's higher power. I would also add um, trust in ourselves because one of the uh, questions it yes. says. Um, when it says we serve by acting on our conscience through our right of decision and we trust others when they exercise their right of decision. Uh, one of the questions says, am I mistrustful of the decisions of others and authority over me? And the times I was most mistrustful were the times when I was acting contrary. So because I didn't trust myself, I couldn't trust other people. That's, that's a really good observation. Thanks. All right. Thanks. And uh, we have a, a short little quote here from... Uh, the concepts, Alanon's best kept secret, uh, is quoted in the Hope for Today book on page 234. Being allowed to make appropriate decisions, to act freely without being hassled or second guessed, gives dignity to the person who is doing the job. After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings. And we picked some music for this episode. And the first one that I want to talk about is uh, sort of a counterexample. This uh, this song to me is, uh, I mean, it's it's from my youth, so it kind of resonates with me. But it's uh, uh, sort of the ultimate um, micromanagement uh, song. It's also the ultimate creepy stalker song. Uh, and, <laughs> and if you haven't guessed what it is yet, it's Every Breath You Take by the Police, which is subtitled I'll Be Watching You. Every move you make. Yeah, every move you make, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't think I really need to quote any lyrics. I mean, maybe if you, you know, you, maybe you've never heard this song, but uh, uh, in which case, go listen to it. Uh, it'll be on the website at therecoveryshow.com slash 110 slash 110. We'll have a, a YouTube video or something there that you can uh, you can listen to it. Um, I mean, you know, it's a cool song, but man, creepy. Ooh, if you listen to the words. <laughs> In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. So um, it's actually been a couple of weeks since the last episode that I recorded, and that was the, the dry drunk episode where like half of it was um, a pre-recorded talk. 
Uh, and part of the reason for that, actually, the main reason for that has been that work has just been really crazy busy the last couple of weeks. Um, we found a problem, and it's a fairly major problem, and it affects a bunch of our customers. And so uh, a group of us have been working pretty much full-time for about two weeks uh, to help uh, resolve this problem. We're not done, but we do we do see that we're getting there, and that's, that's progress. But I, I've been working basically 12 to 15 hours a day uh, for the past couple of weeks. Uh, over last weekend, I, I worked less, but I did work both Saturday and Sunday. This weekend, I said, I need to take the day off. Actually, uh, on Friday, well, I'll get to that. Um, I'll get to that. So this weekend, I took... Yesterday, I basically did almost nothing. I was going to go do some yard work. I didn't even get to that. Uh, Good for just, you. Uh, yeah, I sat around all day, and I read, and I played some video games on my phone and stuff, and, uh, and you know, spent some time with the dog and whatever. Uh, and that was good. Uh, and today, uh, I went to church. I'm doing this, and I'll be going to my meeting later tonight. Um, so, yeah, there's been some meetings in there. Um, and uh, my Saturday morning step meeting, we did step four. The week before last, we did step five this week. And they, they went together really well with some things that happened in my life, which here we go. So last week, was it last week? No, it was this week. Um, last week, I was just like the stress, 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 work, work, work. No time, no time, no time. And... Yeah. Okay. So I had, I had sort of yelled at somebody in a meeting. Um, and I don't remember if I talked about this on the last episode. This was a little while ago, but anyway. <laughs> you did talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So I, I did the, I did the, the, the sort of the inventory thing on it. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, that was what I was talking about earlier today, actually. And, and then so this week, um, I was hung, hung, tired, tired, stressed, frustrated, etc. And we were having a meeting with like everybody who was involved in this project. And there were a lot of there was there 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 has been continuing sort of disagreement about whether the approach we're taking is the right one. And since I chose the the approach we're taking, I was feeling somewhat defensive about it, as you might imagine. <laughs> and I had planned a presentation that sort of explained the reasons why we're doing what we're doing, the way we're doing it, and and had hoped that that would defuse the questions, and it didn't. And so people are like, well, why don't you, if you trade this, we should do it that way. What do you think? And, and I was trying to keep cool. I was trying to keep calm. I had sort of tried to prepare emotionally ahead of the meeting, but it wasn't completely working for me. It just wasn't. Uh, and finally, one guy asked a question about, well, could we do such and such? And I honestly do not remember exactly what the question was, what he was asking about. And I just said, no. And he said, well, in that case, there's nothing more for me to do here. And he got up and left. And not only <laughs> did he leave the meeting, he apparently left work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I didn't no. know about till afterwards. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, and so... Later that evening, I was going back to work after dinner, and there was an email from my boss who was like, uh, let's meet first thing tomorrow to talk about this situation. And I was um, yeah, a little apprehensive, you could say. Uh, I, I, it, it was kind of going around, you know, I was getting that sick feeling in the pit of my stomach and just thinking about it and worrying on it. And, and uh, finally, 
I was, I was leaving work about 11 o'clock and I texted a friend on the West Coast and said, hey, can, can you talk? And they were like, well, I can't really talk right now. So I said, well, I just, you know, I'm in this situation and I want some program uh, input and everybody here is either asleep or I'm not willing to take the chance that they're not asleep. And and so I wanted, just wanted to talk to somebody and, and the response was, well, have you, have you tried prayer and meditation? I was like, oh. Well, there's a brilliant idea. When did I think of that? And this is why this is why I need to reach out and ask for help because mm-hmm. the most obvious things. If somebody called me and said, "Wow, I'm really struggling with something," I would say, "Have you tried prayer and meditation?" But mm-hmm. when it's me, nope, don't think of that. Uh, I'm too I'm too worked up for prayer. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I need to. I need to get to sleep. I can't meditate. I need to get to sleep. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah. So that was actually helpful. And in the morning, uh, I did get sleep. And I got up in the morning, and um, I got to work early because I wanted to to try and catch the guy who had walked out and apologize, do what I could to make amends. And he wasn't there yet, of course. Uh, and I, I put together a, an email to everybody else. Basically saying, look, um, you know, this is the way that I I want to be, um, and I was not that way yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, just sort of laying it out there, saying I was wrong, uh, and and apologizing for it, um, and trying really, really hard not to be any kind of justification or anything in that. Me- in that, you know, just. I did. I did say. I think I said something like, "I understand we're we're all uh, yeah. under a lot of stress here, and if anybody feels that your ideas or your questions were dismissed or not, um, you know, not properly uh, dealt with, uh, dealt with was not the words I used. I forget exactly, but I said, you know, come talk to me. I I will listen, and we can hopefully reach um, an, a, at least a mutual understanding, if not a consensus." And in fact, nobody did come talk to me, but at least I, I felt like I reached out. And then I saw the guy who had walked out and I said, um, hey, you know, I really have to, I want to apologize for, for the way I spoke to you yesterday. And he said, well, my response wasn't the best either. And and so we both sort of apologized for it. And then, um, you know, we talked a little bit about about the actual, <laughs> the, the mechanics of the thing that, that we were trying to talk about. And, and, you know, and we were good. And it's mm-hmm. just... It's that thing, like I spent so much time worrying about, well, what if I what if I apologize and he like, you know, is still mad at me and, and then what? Because um, you know, we need to work together. Oh my god, what's gonna happen? And when it came down to it, we were both like, Yeah, okay, we both screwed up and and you know, let's move forward here. And it's and it was all okay. Uh, and and you know, the program gave me the the ability to be able to do that, to be able to say I was wrong. Um, and, and how do we, how do we, how do we fix it? And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's a, it's the, the last couple of weeks have been very stressful, but they've also really, um, given me a lot of opportunity to see how I can and do use the tools of the program. Uh, and when I forget, uh, when I'm too hungry, angry, lonely, tired, frustrated, sleepy, whatever, um, and I screw up. It gives me the ability to to go back and and make amends for it, and 
find a place we can go forward from instead of having to carry that that worry and anguish and and all that forward with me. So um, that's been my couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully, the next week will be a little less stressful and uh, and will require fewer uh, opportunities to uh, to practice step ten. How about you? Uh, so, because we were supposed to record last week, but I was at a conference. Well, you were, we were both really busy yeah, last so week. It worked, okay, yeah. yeah, it worked out. So I went to this conference and I came home and slept for like two days. So oh, man, <laughs> I totally understand the whole, and then I just sat on the couch because what else was I supposed to do? Yeah. Um, and then, so I missed my meeting, my Wednesday night meeting, my Saturday morning meeting because I was traveling on those days. But I did listen to some podcasts. I listened to your Dry Drunk episode, which was really good. And then I got back. Um, and it was interesting because I, I came back and then my daughter had to, she went on a service trip mm-hmm. with the church because they were on spring break with the youth group. Okay. So then she left the next morning. Oh. So I spent, yeah, I spent all day Saturday with her when I got home. Um, I took a nap. She woke up after my nap. So that worked out. And then we spent a lot of time together packing and all that stuff and hanging mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And then she left on Sunday and I went to church. And then um, I can't remember what the sermon was, but I'm sure it was related to program because it usually is. <laughs> and then we, <laughs> and I, so this week is the last week of the month. And so there are usually speaker meetings at the meetings I go to. Uh-huh. So there was a speaker meeting Wednesday. And at my Saturday morning group, what was the interesting thing for me, I like to think of speaker meetings in terms of how far I've come, because I really didn't get the point of them when I was first in program. I thought they were really, I was just was like, this is so pointless. I need to talk about myself. I didn't understand. (laughs) And I always get so much out of speaker meetings. I mean, like, I would just be like, oh, it was the last week. I don't need to go. You know, like that's, that was my attitude. And then I went. One day I just needed a meeting and I went and it was a speaker meeting and it was really good. And it it directly helped me, directly related to something that was happening. Mm-hmm. And so that happened a couple of times. And now I'm now when it's a speaker meeting, I'm excited because I'm like, I wonder what this person will say. And then, of course, it's another way to get to know people because it's very rare that we hear somebody's story through their. We hear bits and pieces, yeah. but to hear it all at once. Or as much of it as they can tell in the time allotted. Um, it's pretty great. So that was really good. And then I am now I'm here with you, but I was also reminded because at work, I was on a committee where choosing a new textbook. So I was on two, but I didn't have time for two, but I still mm. wanted to be on two. And um, I went to my boss and I said, but I have this really, this textbook I want to use for one of the classes. And it's not on the list. And she said, trust your, trust your coworkers. So it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Trust that yeah. they'll make the decision yeah. and pick the, and you know, I had, this is getting more into the next concept because I had the chance to participate and didn't. So yeah. <laughs> it was just like, right, I do trust them. And so, oh, related to that. So the thing, so right before I got, um, we started our call. I was sitting there, so I got my schedule for the fall, and I'm thinking, like, oh, my gosh, I have to teach these classes. One I'm really excited about, and one I'm dreading because I'm like, 
I, I have very clear ideas of what I don't want, but I don't know what I do want for this class. Mm. And I'm sitting here and I was sitting there and I'm like, I need to figure this out. And I was like, wait a minute, let's, I need to get present. I need to stay in the present. And right now I have five other classes to manage. So I don't need, I don't need to worry about the fall too much. There will be <laughs> I time. Can f- yeah. And I'm like, let's finish your classes for this semester. Finish your summer classes. And probably as you're working on that, the ideas that you need will come instead of trying to force it right now when it's not the time for that. So that was kind of a moment. And that, of course, is program for me. Like, stay present. What's How important is it? What's the next right thing? Where What's going on right now? Um, and, of course, like I said, and now I'm here with you. So it's great. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about that, um, never mind. I had something in my head and it's gone. So I guess I won't. Oh no, no, that this this thing about letting it sit. Um, you know, letting it sit, and and the uh, you know the decisions you need to make will come. And I I have had that several times in the last couple of weeks where I'm really focusing on this problem and how we're going to solve it. And, and I would find myself particularly late in the day as my efficiency is winding down uh, as mm-hmm. I get sleepier, uh, just sort of struggling with something and not being really sure and maybe coming up with a way to address it, but not really happy with it. And I go home and I go to bed and I get some, I won't say a good night's sleep, but I get a, a, a decent amount of sleep. And in the morning it's like, Oh, I could do this other thing, and it would work a lot better. <laughs> um, and uh, and and that's letting go, right? It's letting go yeah. of the need to have an answer right now. Um, gives me sort of my, you know, I don't know if it's my subconscious or whatever it is, the, the time to sort of uh, work on it. And then uh, maybe I, I often can come up with something that's better than the thing that I was trying to force in the, in the first place. So thanks for that reminder. Oh, yay! So uh, you had a you had a, a topic suggestion that, well, um, I'm going to say it sounded like fun, but actually it was fun. Do you want to say a little bit about um, uh, what uh, prompted that uh, that idea? Oh yeah. So um, my topic suggestion is actually the topic of fun, and what does it mean to have fun, especially in program? And so what prompted the idea is um, I was. I usually read Hope for Today every day, Uh and one of the readings was on that. And then I decided I was chairing a meeting, so that was our topic. And it went really well, and people people have come up to me since then. They said, I'm so glad you did that topic because I don't think we think about fun enough. We don't talk about it. We don't think about it because it's, you know, there's a lot going on usually. (laughs) And so it can be easy to lose track of that. And so I thought this would be a great topic for the podcast as well, just to talk about it. And so we're thinking about fun. It's like, what is fun? How do we define fun now versus before program? Um, How do we learn to allow ourselves to have fun and things like that? Like, so there's just so much. There's so much there. So, yeah, no, and when you first said, yeah, I have a topic and it's going to be fun. And I thought, okay, well, what's the topic? <laughs> He's like, no, it's fun. That's the topic. I'm like, oh, okay. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I'm sure that over the, you know, past 10, 12 years, however long I've been in program that, that 
I've been to at least one meeting where people have talked about, you know, maybe having fun, how they didn't used to have fun, how they've learned to have fun, whatever. Um, and, uh, but it's certainly, you know, they're not just coming to mind. And so, um, I think, yeah, that would be a great thing to talk about because obviously I haven't thought about it really a lot. And, well, uh, good. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're listening and you have no idea how to have fun, uh, or if you have learned, um, through the program, uh, ways in which you can have fun in your life, or maybe you've had fun in the program or with program friends, uh, let us know. Uh, you know, send us send us your feedback, send us an email, or call us and leave a voicemail. And how can people do that, Akila? Oh, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can call right now by pausing um, the podcast. 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. And if you prefer not to use your voice, please send emails to feedback at the recovery show.com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of concept three, or any of our upcoming topics, including fun. <laughs> if you have a topic you like to talk, you like us to talk about, let us know. Spencer, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Well, that would be at our website, which is therecoveryshow.com. It has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, uh, links to the uh, music that we talk about, and links to some other recovery podcasts and, and recovery websites that, that we like. And uh, I'd like to also invite you to consider actually being a guest host. And uh, as I as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, there's uh, there's... Different levels, if you will, of, of uh, contributing. You can just call and leave a voicemail or send an email. You can uh, contact me and we can have a, uh, a 10 or 20 minute conversation about a topic that then would be part of a show. Or uh, as Akil is doing today, you can be uh, a guest host for a full show. And I think, you know, they're, they're all fun. <laughs> they are fun, Spencer. <laughs> I remember the first time I had you on and, and, uh, and at one point, I forget exactly what happened, you know, something that I ended up cutting out of the final showing. You said, oh, this is all the behind-the-scenes stuff that we don't get to hear. And oh, you had, yeah. You had such a great little laugh with that. I just really appreciated that. Oh. So uh, you've got uh, music selection here. Yeah. So um, our second musical selection, which will be available on the website, is Control by Janet Jackson. And when the topic, when I was doing a reading, this immediately came to mind because, of course, so the first, it starts with when I was 17, I did what people told me. And then she says, you know, and I got my own mind. I want to make my own decisions. When it has to do with my life, my life, I want to be the one in control. And then a, a little bit later in the song, it says, I don't want to rule the world. I just want to run my life. And this is, I mean, basically, it's all about someone who wants to write a decision in her own life. Because she hasn't been able to make the, the the choices that she's wanted to, or be responsible for the decisions she's made, so I thought it fit really well. That's perfect. All right, we got uh, some emails that came in I'll, again, as I said over the last couple of weeks. I'll start with uh, one from Nita. She wrote in response to the dry drunk episode. She says, Spencer. I really appreciated the Dry Drunk podcast. Dick's story at the beginning of the show was educational times two. With 2020 hindsight, I'm slapping my forehead going, so that's what that was. 
remembering the baffling behavior of my loved one. And it wasn't just receiving an understanding of the alcoholic's behavior, but understanding my version of the same process as well. <laughs> Parentheses, often played in perfect harmony, or disharmony as the case may be. <laughs> my tendency is to think I know it all because I've worked so hard to learn and understand. Truth is, I just don't know everything. Insert Gomer Pyle here. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Boy, I haven't thought of him. So in a if you're old enough to get that reference. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Uh, Which if, I do, so just whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to watch him, uh, you know, afternoons after school or something, I'm sure. I did. Uh, I benefited from Dick's talk, and I appreciate so much you sharing that resource. Thank you for your service. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, you took the time to write an, an appreciation of that. Um, and I have to express again my appreciation uh, really for Ruth who uh, gave me the the idea of thinking about how that that sort of dry drunk um, a, a, a applies to me as an Al-Anon uh, yeah. and, and being able to tell the story from my side and then having just thanks to my higher power for putting that that dry drunk episode in my ear a few a few days earlier to, to think of oh I could do a combined episode here with a um, a sort of a guest host, if you will. Yeah, it worked yeah. really well. Okay. And I, I liked especially because um, some of the, and Dick's, when he was describing like, oh, it's issues of ego and thinking I can't ask for help and like all of those things that just can pile up and then we're just a mess. Yep. <laughs> so I thought it was, and I even think when my daughter would say to me, like, what's going on with you? And, you know, it just, it shows up a little differently for all of us. But she said, you're being really controlling about weird things. And so, like, I was thinking I was doing okay. And I had to say, oh, I don't know if I had to, you know, I had to sit and think about it and go to meetings and, you know, do do the work to kind of figure out what was going on. But, so, yeah. All right. Um, You want to read the next next email? Sure. So this is from an anonymous listener. It says, hello, just wanted to send an email to express some gratitude. My mother who passed away when I was a young adult was a recovered NA and AA member. A friend told me about your show and I started listening a few weeks ago. Prior to listening to the show, I had too much shame and embarrassment about my mother's disease to even consider going to an Al-Anon meeting. Sitting in a room full of strangers and openly admitting that I had a problem felt like the end of the world to me. Thank you for being brave enough to make a podcast and openly discuss your experiences and challenges. Through your sharing, I rallied enough courage in myself to attend my first Al-Anon meeting. Even though I was scared and nervous, it was not the end of the world. As a matter of fact, I think this may be the beginning of the healing that I was afraid to start. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for giving me courage. I'm sure there are other people out there who feel afraid to start this program. Listening to these podcasts allow me to dip my toe in the shallow end of the pool. I plan on going to more meetings over the next month. I do not know exactly where this path will lead me, but I have faith that somehow things are going to get better. I'm going to hang up my superwoman cape in the closet and get in touch with my sense of vulnerability. Quite a departure from my normal routine. I'm going to practice being human, having weaknesses, and cleaning out the junk drawer in my head. I think this is going to be a humbling experience. The more episodes I listen to, the more this change made sense to me. Thank you again. Anonymous. And uh, and thank you for writing and sharing that. And um, you know, I really appreciate hearing um, that we were able to uh, to help you um, find the I don't know the courage or the humility. I'm not sure uh, which it is from your letter to to go to a meeting. 
uh, and to mm-hmm. to to understand that you know maybe we've all been there. I know I had that shame. Oh my God, um, in in droves, and uh, and it took me a long time to get to my first meeting, and that was one of the big barriers to getting there. Hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for writing in. Uh, Mary sent thanks. Uh, she says, hello, Spencer. I just submitted a small donation to say thank you. You are all so inspiring, and this is such a wonderful tool in addition to my program. The words of wisdom, experience, and hope for today have brightened my life. No matter what podcast I happen to open, it is, ex- it, it is exactly what I need to hear that day, just as it is in meetings. Thank you again, Mary. And, and thanks, Mary, and thanks for your contribution. Uh, Mary is one of the sponsors of today's show. Thanks, Mary. Um, I'll read this one from Julie. Okay. Julie wrote in about living in the moment. Hi, Spencer. Living in the moment is one of my favorite Jason Mariah songs. I've been listening to it over and over lately, so it was great to hear it on the Living in the Moment podcast. About making amends to my adult daughter. She is one of my qualifiers for Al-Anon. I have not yet made amends to her, but I look forward to it one day. I have so much guilt for not only marrying twice to alcohol, drug-using men, one who is her father, but for my codependent enabling of others throughout her childhood. I feel like the worst parent ever for not being present all the time she grew up. Trauma from my own awful childhood, then unknowingly choosing to live my adult life stuck in the sickness of drinking, drugging, and enabling was all I knew how to do back then. I wasn't ready to surrender to a better way of life by accepting powerlessness over alcohol and my codependent behaviors. Today, I have embraced the Al-Anon way to break the cycle of the sickness by working the steps, doing service at Al-Anon meetings, sharing my progress, prayers, gratitude, and daily readings. In fact, today, I owe a huge thanks to my daughter for getting me in the rooms of Al-Anon. For were it not for her drug use, I would never have sought help. So even though our relationship is strained, I have learned to let go of her and let God direct his will on my life and her life. And I know I can can be supportive of her recovery when she's ready to do it. Thanks. Love the show. Julie. Thank you, Julie. Um, and maybe, you know, some words of hope there for other people who are struggling with uh, a loved one who is, who is not in recovery. Um, I've been there and, and it's tough and the program really helped me and it sounds like it's helping you as well. Thanks for writing. Yeah. All right. And we got a voicemail from Aaron. So let me. Uh... Yeah, hi, this is Aaron from uh, Los Angeles, California, and just a message out to Spencer on thanking him uh, so much uh, for the podcast and giving back and really finding a, a meaningful purpose for for uh, sharing his story and his process through recovery. I am uh, very new into a program um, different than Eston, but just his... Uh, stories and the way he goes about uh, certain things throughout life. I, too, am a father and a husband uh, for now, (laughs) Um, but this uh, podcast for my day personally helps me tremendously, Um, uh, really not only to just identify, but also just to uh, trigger a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings that I've never really have felt before and knowing how to, uh, or it just helps listen to how others have, uh, coped, identified and, and dealt with them. 
And sometimes, a lot of times, it's just doing nothing and just letting things go by and, and get through you. So it helps so much. I'm so grateful for it. Uh, I listen to it almost daily in the car to my long commute into uh, into work in L.A. Um, but it is certainly one of my go-to tools uh, when I want to find uh, a new uh, a new uh, insight and enlightenment a glimpse of enlightenment to my crazy, scrambled, messed up life. (laughs) So anyhow, again, signing off, and thank you very much, Aaron from Los Angeles. Uh, Love all the topics. I look at the titles, and I think that sometimes, like, ah, I don't want to listen to that, but then I start getting into it, and it's like, yeah, that's exactly what I needed to hear. So anyway, um, don't really have any feedback for any new topics, but if I do, I will certainly uh, certainly share those. Thank you again. Thanks, Aaron. Um, Thanks, Aaron. And uh, damn, again, my, my brain went blank here. Um, I'll help you, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for um, calling Aaron. And again, it's just a reminder to me of how important these speaker meetings are and is to hear other people's experience, strength, and hope. Because sometimes, I, like he said, I don't know what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking. And I hear somebody else say it, and I'm like, yes, that was it. That's exactly what it was. And um, that's very helpful for me. And that, the podcast does that a lot. Yeah, I have had that experience myself so many times of somebody else um, speaking my truth and, and making me able to recognize it because mm-hmm. it's not coming out of my head. It's not coming mm-hmm. out of my mouth. It's coming out of somebody else's mouth. And, and uh, I wanted to come in about the, the episode titles and, Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm thinking like I'm not sure I want to call this episode concept three. I think I want to call this episode like right of decision, and then, or decision making, or decision making maybe yeah something like mm-hmm. that. So the people will say, oh, that sounds good. I want to listen to that, and then and then by the <laughs> well, time they're already you- committed to listening to it, maybe when they say concept three, you know, maybe they'll keep listening. Okay. <laughs> Is that false advertising? I don't think so. No, it's not. It's <laughs> tomato. Right. It's a good summation. <laughs> Marketing. Uh, all right. <laughs> I want to. I want to say thank you to uh, those of you who have uh, left re- reviews and ratings on iTunes. Um, I I used to have a nice program that would go out and pull in all the all the iTunes reviews for me uh, and make it easy and. And that program like doesn't want to work on my new computer, and I haven't figured out why. Um, so I know there's new reviews out there, and and thank you for leaving them because uh, the iTunes reviews and ratings do make it easier uh, f- to find us by those who are in need and are seeking recovery. And so, uh, if you're concerned about your anonymity, because I guess you know iTunes shows your like login name or whatever, uh, you can give us a rating without writing a review, and and that ne- does not show your identity. Uh, if you if you want to write a review, please write an honest one. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate uh, that those of you who have written reviews have given us a a, a good rating. Um, and uh, I will take it that that's true for you. So thanks. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses. They run about sixty dollars a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear by giving us a donation. Uh, we have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like. Anthony, Mark, Maria, Mary, Jill, and Jessica did. 
And thank you again to all of you for your your generous contributions and for some of you for your continuing support. Uh, really does make a difference. And uh, and I had a, a a problem a couple of weeks ago where um, I actually had to re-record um, part of a, an episode because for some reason the software that I was using to record it was just randomly dropping uh, bits of of the. Uh, of the recording and that's terrible. It was and <laughs> and the good the, the 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 good thing was it it did it in in places where I was talking or where I had been playing like voicemails and stuff, so I was able to reproduce it. Um, so I've been wanting for a while to get um, a second recorder that is just basic. It's just a basic digital recorder, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm getting close to being able to do that. So I do appreciate these uh, these contributions that will help us to improve the quality. Um, of the show. In any case, uh, whether you can give money or not, um, we do appreciate your support, even if that's maybe just recommending us to your friends or just listening. We are here for you. The last song that that I chose was is "Drive" by Incubus, uh, and you know Incubus is not one of my go-to bands, but this song really spoke to me on this topic of sort of making decisions, being able to make decisions, feeling that I have the right to make decisions. And I just got a a few lyrics here. Sometimes I feel the fear of uncertainty stinging clear, and I can't help but ask myself how much I'll let the fear take the wheel and steer. And, you know, and then it it goes on and says, you know, just drive. Uh, And yeah, when you're sitting there and you're holding on to the wheel, um, when I'm sitting there and I'm holding on to the wheel, I, I cannot let my fear and my uncertainty steer for me. Um, I have to have confidence in, in where I'm going and what I'm doing, uh, or I'll be much more likely to get into an accident uh, or not get where I'm going anyway. So, song spoke to me. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time.